Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Um, I believe that the hyperpolarization that we're seeing in the country and the world is only going to get worse. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the as America continues to tear itself apart, um, there, that the only real solution to these um, kind of structural or even systemic uh, pains Uh, in the world, and this may sound oversimplified, but I believe the only solution is leadership, not the kind of leadership that we've seen in the last hundred years, but a new kind of leadership that, you know, conscious leadership, integral leadership, you know, I'm not really attached to the labels, but um, that's that's why we've sort of decided to play bigger and become more, um, more known as a brand. We're still very thoughtful about who we admit into our programs. There's still an application process. Um, but more and more now, people are contacting us without um, a nominator, and we're uh, and and that's and that's growing. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Greatness Machine. I'm your host Darius Mershazny. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, the Greatness Machine is about two things. Number one, people are living their passions, and number two, those who are creating greatness in the world. Doing both of these, despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews of world-class speakers and business leaders showcasing their origin story, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now, so it can help you step into your greatness within your own life, business, and career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years in entrepreneurship as a CEO to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation and messages, and I'm stoked to have you guys here. Guys, welcome to the Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazdeh, and boy, do we have a special guest today, my friend, my mentor, Rand Stegen. Welcome. Great to be here. Uh, I'm so glad to have you here. Um, before we get started, though, I want to do a little bit of housekeeping. Um, guys, uh, as you all know, the, great, the Greatness Machine is about two things. We're about people who are living their passions to create both greatness and wonderful passions in the world. And my friend Rand is neither short of greatness nor passion. So we're going to be talking about a lot of interesting things today. So I like to write my own little bios. Uh, and Rand, you know, what do you say about the man like Rand Stegen? There's so many things to say about you, but I'm, I'm, uh, this comes from the bottom of my heart, Rand. So I'm just going to say what I got. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little scared of what about what's about to come from the bottom of your heart. So, uh, so go for it. Well, so, um, this will be this will be less of a surprise than than your fiftieth when I showed up in a COVID suit. But um, now, you guys, Rand is a serial entrepreneur, a founder, and managing director of Stegen Leadership Academy. And many of you guys know I talk about Stegen all the time. Uh, it's one of the great things that I've gotten to be a part of. And and Rand is is the founder, and managing director of such of that such academy. Uh, he's the former chairman and current board member of Conscious Cap- uh, Capitalism. Excuse me. And most importantly, from my selfish perspective. Rand is my friend, and he's someone that I consider an amazing mentor. So, Rand, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you, Darius. So, 
you know, the one of the greatest things I like I, I love about you, Rand, is is we always tend to just start going down some some interesting rabbit holes of what's going on in the world around us. And and I just want to say this. So before we get started, a, a lot of people who are watching this, um, who or who will watch this, they know what Stegen is. But do you mind giving a little bit of background around the the Stegen Leadership Academy and how it was founded, what it's about? Sure. Yeah. As you, uh, as you mentioned, serial entrepreneur, I, uh, I grew up in my, uh, in my twenties with several businesses in the media space. Uh, I published uh, newspapers and magazines uh, that were regional based in Dallas where I, uh, where I still live, but where I went to school at Southern Methodist university, where I started the publishing company. And when I was, uh, when I was working through my own uh, leadership challenges and how to, uh, how to make kind of impact I wanted to make, uh, as a uh, as a business owner and as a leader, I uh, I worked with an outside coach, an executive coach, and I was uh, I was very committed to um, my own learning and reading and going to workshops and seminars. And so, uh, about twenty, a little over twenty years ago, when I sold the media company, I uh, I decided to um, start a new chapter and really uh, and really pursue my passion for um, for learning and growth and. Uh, and helping uh, and helping people, you know, step more into their potential. And so we started the Leadership Academy. A co-founder and I. Uh, he was on the curriculum side. I was on the uh, on the marketing and the packaging and taking my publishing experience and uh, and and really designing uh, products in a way that would meet the market and uh, in, in ways that were very accessible. And so that was a couple of decades ago. And over that time, we've grown into a uh, we've grown into a what I would say is a national organization with a brick and mortar school, a, a physical school, which you've been to, a leadership academy in uh, in uh, Dallas, right on the edge of downtown in the Turtle Creek area. And our clients fly in from all over the country to train with our faculty. Uh, the team at Stegen is uh, made up of uh, professionals that uh, that are um, that are really trained in psychological and human. Of development transformation. So these are psychologists, psychotherapists, executive coaches. Uh, we also have uh, you know some deep expertise on the if that's the consciousness side you mentioned with conscious capitalism on the capitalism side and a real uh, a real passion for the power of business to uh, to affect leverage change. And so um, so we have business uh, practitioners also on our team. And between the combination of that consciousness piece that's more intangible and the capitalism piece that's tangible, how do those get integrated together in a way that uh, that help leaders lead from a more elevated position? And the last thing I'll share is uh, we're not in the entertainment business, so we don't do one-day workshops. Um, the shortest program we offer new clients is a 52-week high-intensity trainings, uh, mostly delivered uh, virtually, but have blended components where they, um, they're required to come to our facility at least four times a year. And um, you're a graduate of one of our flagship programs, the Integral Leadership Program. So that's uh, that's us in a nutshell. Yeah, it was one of the cooler things I've ever done, and it's left its indelible mark on my brain. Uh, <laughs> I talk about uh, Stegen. Uh, there, there's there's multiple things in this life I talk about about on a consistent basis. And for anyone that's watched the show, I've now filmed I think 95. I think this is like the 95th episode uh, since July. Amazing. Yes. Yeah. Well, you, you take me out of a business that I'm running. You know, I was running like a, a, a nine-figure business and put me in my house by myself and I'll just do shows five times a day. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, but it, it it really is. And it, and now it's gotten to the point where I've I've started to refer really good friends of mine. There's a current with Jeff Berkland who was on the show a couple of weeks ago. He's currently in the ILP and 
and and yeah, it's it's an amazing program. I, I want to ask you a question about this because um, how do you go from uh, you know this is uh, Sagan's what twenty years old now, a little bit yeah, of twenty years, about twenty two. Mm-hmm. So and you're and, and you're a relatively uh, young gentleman. So you started this like my guess is in what your late twenties, early thirties. Correct. Yep. So it, to to how did you think of I want to start a leadership academy when you're, you know, you you yourself were still f- fairly young. Well, I, I I think the answer to that for not not just me but for all of us is to uh, is to ask the question of what's what what am I here to do? Like my sense, what's my sense of uh, of passion? My where are my gifts? How do I feel called to express those gifts? And we can call that meaning, or we can call that life's purpose. And so I had the opportunity when I was running the media business to uh, to actually. Um, explore that just on the uh, in in my own in my own time of like what about running uh, running newspapers and magazines was most um, alive for me I'll use that word and what it uh, what the answer was training I had a, a team of you know several dozen salespeople that I would train every day in these kind of thirty minute stand up uh, trainings and something was um, was was would happen in those uh, in those settings and some of the extended trainings where I felt uh, a deep sense of um, integrity in myself and congruence. And so when I sold the media company and I was uh, and I was asking, you know, what's the next entrepreneurial venture? It was pretty obvious that I needed to follow what sometimes is referred to as the call to adventure. That 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 signal that was calling me. And I uh, I, I started out thinking I was going to be more of an individual trainer. Uh, someone like Tony Robbins was sort of an inspiration of going on stage and, uh, and speaking and sharing and trying, to, and trying to inspire and motivate people. And I was very fortunate to have early success in that, where within a year, I was up on you know, stages in Vegas in front of thousands of people delivering, uh, delivering speeches. But as I mentioned a moment ago, I found myself within that first year to 18 months in the entertainment business where I was up on stage while people were listening to me for an hour. But that was not the uh, that, that was not what I was atten- intending to pursue. I was um, pursuing the experience I had of being a manager of others and helping the sales team and the, the individuals grow and develop through time. And so I, uh, I, I was able to have that realization relatively um, early in the in the business and pivot, and the pivot was let's uh, let's get into the trenches and let's really design something that uh, that is about um, disciplined practice through time, and uh, and I would have to say that we went to my my partner uh, Brett Thomas and I who co-founded the business with me. Uh, he had this as I mentioned this curriculum expertise, but we had a shared passion for um, for physical fitness. And the company was started in 1999 and a book came out. Some of your older uh, viewers will remember this book. It's called uh, Body for Life by Bill Phillips. Yeah. And uh, and Bill had a company called EAS, which sold a supplement shake called e, um, called Myoplex. Yep. And he used to, Brett and I used to drink the Myoplex shakes and we would work out with this um, with this very rigorous program that you know younger people would know it as like of a P90X sort of approach to tran- physical transformation. And we said to ourselves, Brad and I, if there's a predictable way for people to transform their bodies through a um, through a structured, high intensity 
um, regiment for the body, plus a very thoughtful uh, diet routine of the food, and it creates predictable transformation. Why couldn't we apply those same methodologies, those same principles in the area of, uh, of, of, of personal development or what we would now refer to as adult development? And so we, um, we applied that early on to answer your question of well, how do we do it? We just started experimenting and we were very fortunate to have um, friends who would became our early clients and maybe our kind of guinea pigs in the, uh, in the first few years of experimenting. And I would also say that something happened that was more inspired. It was like we downloaded certain like, like principles of how to train and how to develop others. And here we are two decades later and while I hope our content is better and our technology is better than the early days, the actual structure, you know, some of the underpinnings of what we do has not changed in over 20 years. Like those early tracks that we laid have stayed and endured, you know, thousands of leaders who have gone through our programs and hundreds of leaders who are in active programs right now. And we, um, and, and that's pretty surprising because I look back on it that like, where did that come from? You know, what? Where was the ability to um, to create something out of nothing? And I'd say I'd say that we got out of the way. And when we're at our best, sometimes we're just we're a conduit. And I really do think that we were our egos were out of the way, and we were um, and we were tapping into something that was bigger than you know Brett and I, you know, for sure at that time. And um, and you know, that's that's maybe an answer to the origin story of the business. Wow. I did not know that Stegen was born out of Body for Life. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> the movie The Matrix came out in 1999. Body for Life was published in 1999. And the Stegen Leadership Academy was founded in 1999. And you know that we've been playing with the Matrix uh, metaphor of, you know, take the blue pill and go back to sleep and take the red pill and wake up. And when you were playing your karaoke song of Welcome to Your Life, you know, what kind of life do you want to live? Do you want to live a life when you're asleep and you're uh, and you're and you're truly just a slave to your surroundings? Or do you want to wake up and take agency and take responsibility and really be the author of your life? And um, and so the Matrix combined with Body for Life were uh, were in many ways kind of the, the as I, I use origin story. That's the origin story. Wow. I was a major body for life uh, teenager. So I, I, I was an avid spender of my of money on EAS supplements and myoplex. So uh, so you're speaking to me right now. Um, so it's funny. I tell people about Stegen. I talk, like I said, I talk about Stegen. I talk about GOT. Those are the two things that I talk about probably besides just other stuff, core values too, obviously, um, which probably play into both of those. But um I talk about those things a lot. And a lot of times I try to explain Stegen to people. And I say, well, it's, you know, it's a, it's an integral leadership program. It's around conscious capitalism. I said, but you know, and maybe I'm, I'm describing it a little bit more exotically than you might prefer. But what I tell people is I say, it's, I, I said, you know, it's kind of like a, a secret society a little bit. because and, and, and I remember when you were talking about when you guys originally started that you guys had a lot of rules around, who could be admitted into it? I don't know if you feel comfortable talking about that, but but I I, I actually have told somebody it's like when it was started as almost a skull and cross skull and bones for leaders. Uh, yeah. yeah, do you mind talking about that? Yeah, and it's a um, you know I wouldn't have done this podcast only five years ago when we were still in that let's call it stage of our own 
uh, brand where we were not wanting to be known. Uh, we were we were in a more let's call it um, private kind of orientation to to work we were doing in the world. Let's go back to the origin story that uh, you also don't know this. There was a movie, the Bruce Lee movie, called Enter the Dragon. And the movie Bloodsport was kind of inspired by the, the basic narrative of Enter the Dragon. And for those that don't know the, um, the movie, uh, Bruce Lee is a martial art fighter. And he, was, um, and he would hear the, um, a, a myth, a, um, a, a story about a, a fight that would happen once a year in a location that was secret. No one knew the location. No one knew whoever was fighting. And there was no spectators because the only people who knew about the fight and the only people that watched the fight were those who were actually invited to participate That's in right. it. And so he eventually, you know, years of training, he eventually, you know, identif he's identified as one of the great martial artists on planet earth and he gets the tap on the shoulder and they, uh, and they bring him to Asia and they're, and they're, and they bring him, there's this wonderful scene that Brett and I used to watch and they get him on a boat. Um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was in the movie and he was like, he meets him on the boat another martial artist, and that boat leaves the dock, and then the, the camera pans to the, uh, to the open sea and the darkness with, 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 with clouds, and you can't see, um, you can't, there's not much, much visibility. And then the boat moves into the, uh, moves into the mist, and then on the other side of the mist, almost like, you know, Wonder Woman's island is like a secret island that you no one can get to. I'm going way back to the 70s here, I'm aging myself. And when you get to the island, um, there, it's, it's got a wall around it. It's a walled garden. And they dock the boat and they walk up the stairs. And when they look down on what's on the other side of these you know, high walls, is there's, a, um, there's hundreds of martial artists that are training in secret. And, uh, and then the fight happened inside of that you know, secret island with the walled garden. And so we said to ourselves, what if we build a... A leadership academy and what if we invite people into the academy and the only way that others would know about the academy like you were nominated by rick sapio and the only reason you knew about it is because rick graduated our program and then he nominated you and brought you in kind of like speakeasy style in the secret entrance right. and so we we spent the first 15 years of our business being hidden in plain sight we didn't want anyone to know about us we took and i'll, I'll personalize this i took great pride which is, you know, probably not that helpful on uh, the grand scheme of things in people um, uh, complaining that they uh, they took them years to find us. And I'll, I'll tell one story. I was at a conference and I was watching. Uh, there was three or four hundred people in the audience. I was in the audience. I was not speaking. And one of my clients, who I didn't know was going to speak, gets on stage and he tells a story about his success and um, how he had a transformation in his business. And he says, you know, he did not know I was in the audience. He goes. I was stuck as a leader and I had heard for many years about this, uh, this secret training academy and I, I, but I couldn't find the name. I kept hearing about it and I was thinking to myself, there's no way he's telling this story. It was like, it's like total deja vu to Bruce Lee. And he goes, he goes, then a friend of mine in Houston told me that he actually just graduated this program. And I realized it was the same program I'd been hearing about for years. And he made an introduction and I got into the, to the academy, and I did a 52-week transformation, which unleashed my business, and that's why I'm up on stage because I have all this success now. I was very honored that our team, 
and whoever coached him and the faculty that worked with him would have had an impact in that way. But it put a smile on my face like, that's right. That's right. This is a secret. And yeah. then, and then, you know, you ask, you know, why are you on this podcast and why am I for the first time in 20 years, you know, doing interviews, writing a little bit for, um, for the media and things that I, um, that I just, you know, chose not to do for many years is my community came to me and said, Rand, you are being very selfish by, uh, by limiting the, the, the nature of what's been created here, which is by no means my creation. It's much bigger than me and, and the team of people around me. And we have created something that you've experienced that is unique. Um, there's, a, there's a tremendous amount of, um, of, um, of, of, of the ability for us to do this consistently with more people through technology and through intellectual property and through just the nature of our psychological, emotional, and, and for many spiritual work that we do. You know, as you know, you've heard me say it many times, we're in the business of helping leaders wake up and become more conscious. You can call this conscious leadership. And, uh, and, and as, as the old saying goes, you know, conscious leadership is an inside job, right? So if we're going to do this work, welcome to your life. Do you're going to do, do this work? It's going to be inner work. And most people are not up for because we specialize in uh, in highly accomplished, successful leaders. That's sort of our profile. Most people who have achieved a lot um, tend to get really fused with their their sort of status quo, especially if they're wealthy, especially if they have a lot of um, accolades. And, uh, and 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 our work is about like doing the deep work. And so we've we have genuinely figured out how to uh, help people do that kind of work in very predictable ways. And so the community came to me five years ago and said, you need to get out of the way and you need to let this business grow bigger than you want to keep it a secret. And you need to um, expose more people from an impact standpoint. This isn't about you know growing and scaling the business to make more money. This is about growing and scaling the business now to, uh, to have a bigger impact and to uh, and to play some small role in helping leaders manage the increasing challenge of leading in today's world and in tomorrow's world, which I predict will be um, unfortunately more complex than it is today. Um, I believe that the hyperpolarization that we're seeing in the country and the world is only going to get worse. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the as America continues to tear itself apart, um, there, that the only real solution to these um, kind of structural or even systemic uh, pains uh, in the world. And this may sound oversimplified, but I believe the only solution is leadership, not the kind of leadership that we've seen in the last hundred years, but a new kind of leadership that, you know, conscious leadership, integral leadership, you know, I'm not really attached to the labels, but um, that's, that's why we've sort of decided to play bigger and become more, um, more known as a brand we're still very thoughtful about who we admit into our programs. There's still an application process, um, but more and more now people are contacting us without um, a nominator, and we're uh, and, and that's and that's growing. And we also, as you know, we wouldn't work with public companies in the past, mm-hmm. and um, and now we're working with public companies, typically at the C-suite still, um, but um, but that's also new for us. And um, so here we are, and here I am with you. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and supply and demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through. But then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius from Shazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now, and let me tell you, They've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. They stopped me from fully enjoying the little things in life, canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose itchy, watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now, and let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now, I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits, and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear uses directed. Yeah, no, this I, I love I love you giving the background, and I'm I mean even I get in to learn things about the program I just spent over a year of my life in. So it's great for it's great background. So let me let me ask a question. So one of the things to to your point that that the world is in a very complicated place tonight. We have this this wonderful debate, which which will I'm sure just make it even more complicated. But um, one of the things that you said. Uh, and 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 those of you that don't know this, and I don't know if you're going to continue to do this, but are you still teaching cohorts once a year, or, or was I the last class? No, we have um, you know our cohorts, which tend to be about 20 participants, 20 leaders. Um, you know, we've got many cohorts running simultaneously. I still coach, uh, and really, I want to call it lead one cohort a year, and yeah. that uh, and that's a way for me to my team gave me some feedback a few years ago that I was getting disconnected from the business. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I needed to, uh, I needed to just to, to get closer to the, um, to the program again. So yeah, I, I still teach one class a year. 
so I got I got the um, honor and pleasure of of you teaching my cohort, which was very cool. And obviously, we got to get become friends, and 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 you got to mentor me through that program. And one of the things, so so the way it works for those of you guys that, that don't know is we as part of at least pre COVID. No, I know it's probably adjusting a little bit now, but uh, as we fly into Dallas, and 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 I think I lived in Austin, so I drove into Dallas. And uh, we would spend, we'd have dinner with our class and then we meet the next day for an entire day. And then, and then we, and as you mentioned earlier, it's a very intense practice that goes on in between these quarterly meetings. And so in the first class we had, I believe it was the first class, you had said something to the effect. And I don't know if it was, it's, if it's your uh, statement or from a Jim Collins statement that the, that essentially that the world has level three, level three leaders and level five problems. Yeah, yeah. Do you mind talking about that a little bit? Yeah, actually, I don't talk about that very much. So it'll be uh, it'll be fun. So what what Jim Collins popularized, and, and I, I really uh, appreciate uh, you know so much of his work in the world in bringing concepts to the market in ways that people can really understand and really and really get. Sometimes, kind of, how do you grok these really uh, difficult and complex ideas? And so he brought the idea of a simple pyramid. And he popularized there's level one, two, three, four, and five leaders. And the, and we can look at other models where there's eight levels, or there's 10 levels, but let's just stick with Jim Collins suggesting that there are five levels of leadership. And what I think I shared with, um, with you and with your group is that if a leader, anyone listening right now, we are all at our current level, whatever that level is. And someone listening could be at level three and someone else listening could be at level 3.3 and someone else could be at level four. But whatever our current level of development, okay, how we how we make meaning of the world, you know, are sometimes called our worldview or our consciousness, how I we, we, we and I know, Darius, you will you will get this, um, but I, I do want to bring it in. One of the things that we teach is that people, all of us, we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are, right? We don't see the world as it is objectively. And that's why a group of three or four people or three or four camps of people can look at a situation, whether it's economics or whether it's race or whether it's politics, and we can, whether it's the environment, and we actually, um, we will actually filter the reality that we're experiencing through our own lens through our own worldview, through our own consciousness. And so the, the work that's done on, uh, on researching adult development, and I, and I know that you're familiar with our particular uh, body of research that we've built our curriculum around is from Robert Keegan, who ran uh, a program, who ran a, a, a group at Harvard, uh, a school in a, of adult development. And he was there for almost 40 years before his recent retirement. Um, very respected, very, uh, very, um, well regarded in the validity of his uh, of his body of work, and and we've got other think tanks that we draw research from, but Keegan in particular we um, we we were really impacted by, and what and what uh, and what you can do is you can overlay Keegan's stages or levels of development just onto Collins in doing his levels of development, and we can just basically say that we all start at the bottom, and then we move to level one, level two, level three, level four, for a variety of reasons we won't get into today, both nurture uh, and nature. 
And by the time we get into our early 20s, what the research shows is that we tend to stabilize at our, let's call it our center of gravity, sort of how we will make meaning of the world, level three. And then if we're learners, which a lot of the people uh, listening to this, I imagine are, are, are lifelong learners, what we do is we get better at our current level. We build our horizontal capability, skill set development, and knowledge. And that's robust and it's important. And I don't want to marginalize the importance of horizontal development. However, if the problems confronting us today, locally, regionally, nationally, and globally, the problems themselves, if they are level four problems or level five problems, and the leaders that are uh, that we're asking to guide us in society and in business are at level three, and the problems are at level four, these leaders, Bob Keegan would call this in over their heads. We're in over our heads. We don't have, and this is the, this is the scary part, how can we expect leaders to solve problems they don't even understand? Oh, political leader, business leader, community leader, we expect you to solve a set of problems. And if you're at level three and the problems are at level four, you can't solve something that you can't even hold. You can't even understand it, much less solve it. And I believe that this you know, illustrates in an oversimplified way so much of our of our frustration with our own leaders is that we can feel in our bones, in America in particular, I'll just speak from direct experience, we can feel like there's something off. I don't use matrix uh, metaphors much, but there's a splinter in our collective mind as, uh, as was the movie in the matrix that Neo was told by Morpheus. And, and we can feel it like something's off and, 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 we, and we can feel that our leaders are not, uh, are not, are not serving us the way that our leaders were able to serve us in the 1950s. And what I would assert is that the problems of the 19, early 1900s, the mid 1900s, maybe the, the beginning of the late, you know, late 1980s, we were sort of still able, our leaders had the capacity to meet the complexity of the problems, but now the problems have become more complex than the leaders. So what's the solution? Back to a few minutes ago, we need to see uh, in our experience, we need to see more leaders moving up developmentally. And you don't move up developmentally going to a one-week program at a university. You don't move up developmentally going to a two-day leadership training at your company. The, 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 the climb of adult development, of human development, is a difficult difficult journey that requires practice and discipline and consistency. And it requires also um, being willing to be confronted with the, um, with the pain of letting go of the prior level. I'll, and I'll end with this. If someone's at level three, and we're doing this arbitrarily because we could say someone listening is at level four and the problems are at level five, right? But we're all in over our heads. And if, if I'm at level three and then all of a sudden, I move to level four, that means I have to let go of my entire sense of identity at level three. So I'm working with a CEO right now. I'm several CEOs, but I'm having a conversation that's ongoing with the CEO. And he's saying, Rand, if I ascend to this place, then are my friends coming with me? <laughs> 
you know, my buddies that I play golf with on the weekends that we like jam. We've been playing golf for 15 years together. And I'm maybe like, not. and I'm like, not likely. I don't even say maybe not, not likely. And I ask him, are they doing their personal work? Are they doing their inner work? He's like, no. And I was like, okay. And he goes, what about all my people that are my team that I lead? You know, he has thousands of employees, runs a big organization. And he's like, but what about, what about all these stakeholders? Like who's going with me? And I'm like, nobody. And, and, the, and I, I've never described it this way, but it was a really, it just sort of came out. I said, I said, this is a solo climb. This hmm. is your solo climb. Wow. And it's like, and he, and he's like, I don't know if I want to do this because the it's, it's, it's cute for anybody listening to be like, Oh, I'm at level three and I want to go to level four. And the, and then the question is, do you really, do you really want to go to the next level? Are you really, really willing to let go of your current identity, how you make sense of things, how you feel validated, your winning formula, and then move to a, let's call this unfamiliar, uncharted territory for yourself. And this is why it is a courageous climb up the mountain of development, a solo climb. So I'm, that's getting a little, a little, a little maybe... Yeah, you're hitting me hard, man, because I'm on that climb right now. (laughs) You know, and it's and it's and it's very and and I was going to say I was talking to a a former uh, Stegen um, coach, Nathaniel Shotkin, about this last week. Amazing, amazing guy. And um, he and I had a a, a pretty in-depth conversation specifically about this. And I said, it's really tough when you're in the belly of the fucking beast. It's because you're 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 having to. To your point, like I get why people don't, I get why there's, I actually understand why we're having a lot of the problems we're having because people are digging in because they're scared. That's right. Are you guys enjoying the show so far? Darius here. And by now you might know that I'm passionate about a few things, pizza, pink unicorns, core values, and down dirty, interesting conversation with some amazing people. However, the biggest one that I've spent most of my career on is entrepreneurship and scale. You see, look, my first few years in business, I spent like probably a good five years of my life getting my freaking teeth kicked. I mean, really getting crushed. And I learned a lot during that time period. So I spent the greater part of the last couple of years helping entrepreneurs scale their businesses in a meaningful way without going through the same growing pains that I did. And what I realized is that CEOs and business leaders don't know if they can scale and thus they do the right thing at the wrong times. This causes them to lose clarity, lose momentum, alignment, and the bottom line is you lose money. And look, you don't have to do that. It's why I created what I call the scalability assessment, and you can access it 100% for free. That's right, guys. There are perks to listening to The Greatness Machine. All you have to do is go to DariusScale.com. That's D-A-R-I-U-S scale, S-C-A-L-E.com. And there, you can check to see if your business is set up to scale properly. It's going to give you a scalability score at the end, and it's also going to give you some clarity on what you can do next. Once again, guys, that's www.itsdariusscale.com. Once again, guys, it's DariusScale.com. And now back to the show. So, so in like society, from a societal standpoint, maybe even, uh, from a capitalistic standpoint, people are scared and they're digging in because they're like, I don't want to change because I, I want what's comfortable. I want what, what was. That's right. And, and what was and what is are two different things. And to ascend to your point to that next level, I, I, I mean, my first business I had, 
was a high growth business. We grew from one employee to 150 employees in three years. And I was 25 and I had no idea what I was doing. And I remember my, one of my, one of the guys that started with me, he was fresh out of Berkeley and he, his name was Dane. And he said, twin capital mortgage where change always happens. And so for me, I'm, I'm a learner to your point. I have a, my number four core, five core values, curiosity. And, and I have an insatiable appetite for learning, but I do believe what you just said is that I think that people, there's a comfort around what you know, and there's a comfort around consistency and there's a comfort around not changing. So what, so I can see why this is a problem because what if we don't have a choice? What if, and I don't want to use this as a great analogy, but what if the COVID of trans, you know, COVID happens, right? The COVID just happened. The change was forced. Yeah, let, let, and let's let I like beautiful. And by the way, you're Joe Rogan style dropping f bombs. This is awesome. So, oh. uh, yeah, this is great. So the uh, let's get let's get into the yeah. sort of richness of this change. <laughs> oh, it's so cutesy to talk about. You know, I want to change myself. I want to transform myself. Um, change is the kind of change we're talking about, and the kind of change that I'm suggesting the world needs from its leaders to move to the next level. To be able to meet these uh, these needs that society is uh, is is putting um, in front of us, and, and technologies, you know, obviously catalyzing and amplifying the complexity, we we only see in our decades of watching patterns, we see only two reasons why somebody leaves the comfort zone of the status quo. So I want everyone to imagine that you're in right now, you're in your own status quo. You're in your own comfort zone, whatever level you're at. And one, one thing that we know will that will pull someone out of their comfort zone is being forced out. Okay, <laughs> So you get forced out. What does forced out look like? Um, a crisis, COVID. What does forced out look like? A divorce. Your spouse says, I'm done. I've been, I've been, I've been warning you. Wake up. I'm out. Like that's a forced out of the comfort zone. A, a, a health experience where somebody's not healthy and they have a near-death experience. Jim Collins talks about this, and you and you wake up from your slumber, and and that's one way you're forced out. The other way is to choose out, okay? And you choose the the pain. You choose to leave the comfort zone. But in the absence of being forced out or choosing out, you know what you know what it is? It's called a comfort zone. And so our belief is that most leaders will stay in the comfort zone until they're forced out, right. most people. And what we have decided to do is dedicate our life's work to a, uh, to a, a predictable way of helping leaders that have an appetite for this to choose out. And instead of them going into that territory that's uncharted for them, to give them some maps and say, you know what, the maps of the territory, you know, they're they're not they're not perfect, but at least there's frameworks, there's templates, there's tools, there's 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 other community members that have been had they been here before. So yes, it's a solo climb at a, in a, in a, in an uh, in an in in an internal way, and it's really important that when you're doing your solo climb that you have access to other people that can actually be. Uh, that can be insightful, that can be, that can meet you at different base camps 
and say, hey, let's let's come together, let's share, let's learn, let's let's exchange maps. And so there is a uh, there's an individual dimension to this ascent, and there's also a, a team or collective dimension. But it's a um, you know it's like one of my one of my partners, uh, Wes Blair. We used to talk for years about when we were secret. What would our billboard be on the highway if we had a billboard? And the the, the statement we came up with was the following. Um, you know, do you want to change? Okay, you know, you want to change? You know, come to the Stegen Leadership Academy. It's really hard and it'll take a really long time. <laughs> like, like we would literally tell people in like conversations, like what you guys would call selling conversations. And they'd say like, let me play this back. This, this journey is going to be really hard and it's going to take a really long time. We're like, yeah. And they're like, that's like the worst pitch ever. And we're like, if you don't, want to take the road less traveled, then don't hang out with us because we're not doing the work that most of our kind of quote industry training, executive education is doing. We're doing, we're doing the work that is, um, that is, you know, very rare. And, um, and I'll, I'll mention, cause I'm such a, I'm now such a fan of Greg Massey. Uh, I met Greg Massey and he, uh, he had a bank in uh, Durant, Oklahoma, a community bank and about a billion in assets at the time. And we sat in a room and our first meeting, we were very lucky, was several hours. It was about three hours. And he was in a lot of pain. He was being forced out of his comfort zone. And he was introduced by a mutual friend. And I, uh, and I said, hey, Greg, what do you want to create? And he says, well, I, I got a clear vision for what we want to do with First United as a, as a, as a community building organization. Uh, and I said, well, how far out can you see? And this is a true story. And he said, he paused and he goes, he was a little nervous that he was being asked this by me. And he said, about 25 years. And he goes, he goes, after about 25 years, it starts to get fuzzy, but I have a I have a feeling of what I want to create. And he looked at me real, 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 real seriously. He goes, Is that is that long enough, Rand? And uh, and I said, Greg, I think I think that'll uh, that'll be just fine. Yeah. And then we, and then we, um, we got, he went through our program and then he went into our advanced work and then he kept bringing in leaders from his uh, organization through our programs. And we trained dozens and dozens of, uh, of his bank presidents and, uh, and other key executives. And, and after nine consecutive years of Greg being an active member in our leadership academy and a variety of different programs and offerings, nine years, someone had dinner with me and said, you and Greg, Greg and I talked recently. He said he's been working with you for nine years, your team for nine years. And this guy was like appalled. He's like, he's like, how is he doing after nine years? And I looked at him and I said, too early to tell. <laughs> and then, and this is great. And this is great. Last October, I was in, um, I was in uh, the Conscious Capitalism CEO Summit in Austin. And uh, someone had met Greg Massey at the conference. And Greg had talked about his work with us. And uh, and the guy said to me, you've been working with this with this Massey character for a long time, your organization. And I said, yeah, we're coming on, you know, 13, coming, coming on our 14th year. And he said, 14 years? He said, how is it going? And I go, I'm encouraged. I'm really encouraged by, by Greg. Because, you know, all joking aside, when we say we're playing the long game, right? We're playing the long game. You know, yeah. A, a decade, we call it decading. Like if someone were to work on their on their um, spiritual practice, they're a meditator, and they've been doing it for a decade. In a lot of meditation communities, that would be you know you're still a beginner. 
Right. If somebody is a if somebody is an athlete, and you know they're an athlete, they've been an athlete for ten years. They're 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 uh, they're in their twenties. It's like yeah, that that's that that would be considered if you move on to the professional. Like you, that'd be price for admission for a lot of um, for a lot of sports. And yet we become adults, and then we're like, well, I'm done. I'm baked. I I don't need to. And it's like, what about having an indefinite commitment? not just to learning and going and reading books and going to conferences, which is great, which is nice candy for the mind, but am I willing to stay at the edge of my comfort zone? And, and, and I used to think that the, that, the, that, the, that the end game was to be happy. And I'm like, oh my gosh, when I have a wonderful wife, which I have, and kids, which I have, and money and success, then I'm going to be happy. And I have come, I guess, Darius, I'll be honest, I'm learning that for me, this isn't about happiness at all. This is about meaning. This is about fulfillment. Mm. And if you were to say to me, how do you know that you today, how do you know that you are living a meaningful journey? And I would say, because I am I'm sore every day, not just because I work out, wow. but I am sore. I, I, I'll just be vulnerable here. I texted a person. And I texted a, um, a long, thoughtful text, and this person didn't respond to my text. And I, uh, I was surprised, like, huh, this is someone who should respond. It was, it was long. It had some attachments. It had some visuals. I mean, it was a thoughtfully curated text. And I said, that's, that's interesting. This person didn't respond. And then a couple days went by, and I'm like, hmm, what does that say? And I started to feel a little bit of doubt, a little bit of insecurity. A little bit of like, did I not like display enough value? And then this morning, I looked down around 10 o'clock and I got a response. Okay. A wonderful response. This is amazing. A very positive response. And in that moment, I felt really good about myself. And I gave myself a go Rand. Okay. You're valid. Okay. You just got validated. You're, you're, you, you are, um, you are, um, you're valuable to this person. And this person responded. And I realized how much work I still have to do on my own um, on my own insecurities because mm-hmm. it was it was micro, okay. But I noticed how good it felt to get that validation, which wow. was feedback for me that I still, after decades of doing this work, I still have so much more of my ego to burn away. Wow. I want to be able to send that text out of a place of service and contribution and love. And I want that text to never get a response in me not to feel good or bad about myself, right? You and I give speeches, whether people give me a standing ovation or not, okay? How do I deliver the best that I can deliver? How can I be as present as I can to what's going on inside of me and what's going on in the audience and do my best and then just get off stage and not look for feedback, positive or negative, to suggest that I'm a certain way, good or bad, because of how people received me. And so I'm, I'm giving you a pedestrian illustration from my life a few hours ago to describe the journey of constantly being sore. And, and, and that's emotional work, okay? Just like when you're working out, everyone who's working out, they're like, yeah, I'm kind of sore. I did, I did, did, some, did some biceps. And, and that's not a bad thing, but are we putting ourselves in sort of psychological and emotional um, situations that have us at our edge, or are we just comfort, or we just comfortable, and so yeah, I mean, that came out just now. 
No, I love it, man. Ray, Ray Dalio, what is Ray Dalio? Ray Dalio calls it the the good struggle, right? Yeah. The and, battle, and, um, battle, the struggle, the battle. Where's yeah. your Where's your battle? I'm going to put you on the spot. You talked you talked about it abstractly a moment ago, but where's um, where, where's the edge? Um. Yes. <laughs> uh, all like. Like what you just described, I, I was like, wow, I had about 150 of those uh, when I launched my book two weeks ago today. Yeah. Um, you know, that was, that was, there's a lot, that, especially launching a book, if you're an unknown author without a big platform, which I would definitely characterize myself in that way, you're leaning on a lot of people who you, some you know well, some you don't know so well to try to see if they'll deliver for you. And um, there was a lot of me checking my ego because I didn't, I realized I'm probably not providing a value for enough people to bend over to help me over, help me out. Right. And so bend over backwards at least. And so um, I, I was, there was some, a lot of disappointment around that. And to your point, I mean, there was a good book launch. Don't get me wrong. Uh, the book is, is a, it was a successful launch, but my, this is where my ego and my com com competitiveness and all these things were just swirling in my head. And, and you know, if I have a business to deal with, I probably would have still had the same feelings, but at least I could go back to my business and be distracted. And then to have the realization that I let my, the, the book, the, the book launch, although it's important that it was a successful launch was in of itself a distraction from this bigger, like climb up the mountain by myself, this solo, you know, the solo climb I'm doing right now. So I've had the last 10 months of my life to, to really look in the mirror, you know, in it, from a naked perspective and say, what do I want the next, mm. to your point, if we're going to take, do decading, what do I want the next 10 or 20 years to look like? Because I just retired from my industry, right? Yeah. At, at 42 and it, and it, and I'm not a professional athlete. <laughs> that's, a, like, that's a pretty, that's kind of a scary thing to do. Um, but I did it because of what you were talking about early, early on in this conversation that you, there was a calling that you felt that made you sell your company. I don't know if it made you sell your company, but you chose to exit your company and then open Stegen. I, I, I made a similar decision without a new business in mind. So right now I'm feeling pretty vulnerable that like, even like, you know, I'm just kind of following my gut and following my heart and realizing that, it'll work itself out, but it's, it feels very vulnerable and it's, it's uncomfortable for me. I don't know. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. It's a, uh, that listening to you and now, and, and what I'm feeling kind of in me listening is that, um, there's a rawness, right. I just, and just listening that I, that that's familiar to me. And I think it's familiar to everybody. And the question is, do we, do we think that that's a bad thing and we need to, find a, a way to go to safety so that we don't feel that anymore? Or is that the aliveness, right? Is that the, 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 the greediness, the texture of actually uh, being at our edge? And, you know, you said earlier, collectively our society, and, you know, we've got the big, uh, you know, the first Trump-Biden debate tonight at, you know, uh, 8 p.m. Central, at least where I live in Texas, where you are in Texas. And it's a, um, it, it, for me, I so visualize, I haven't said this in, in, in a group setting before, but I'm sort of visualizing right now in America two buttons, okay? 
the easy button. You remember the easy button from that commercial? <laughs> a big red easy button. And then another button. I don't have a good name for it, but let's call this the sort of personal responsibility button. And the easy button, man, you know what? Let's just find the narrative, okay? The camp, whether it's whether you're thinking politically or whether you're thinking in another uh, in another kind of dimension of, of of identifying with others. Let me just find a group of people, a narrative on the internet, uh, a, a narrative in the echo chamber of whatever I you know getting my news, and let me just hit that easy button. Let me just join that group, and let me subordinate my own independent thinking my own agency to that camp. I'm going to call it a camp. And, and then I don't have to think for myself. Right. Okay. And then life will just be easy and I can just kind of go with the narrative of the group. And while I, while I, I don't want to be dismissive of that as a, as a human sort of need to, to, to be tribal. Okay. The, and that's going to be where most people will find themselves and, uh, and, and I am not challenging most people right now who are listening. I am challenging those that feel like they're here to lead others, that they're here to go to a higher elevation and to realize that there's another button. And that button is a button filled with anxiety, filled with insecurity, filled with, um, with, with self-questioning, filled with, um, filled with, you know, all sorts of unfamiliar, uh, unfamiliar um, dimensions, and to say hell yes, right? Hell yes, I want to go there. I want to go with that personal responsibility button, because what the world needs is leaders that can lead from this elevated place. And if you and I were to get up above, and let's say we were to go to, let's go back to our mountain, and we climb up the mountain. And we get to a, a place on the mountain where we can see there's a big music festival going on in a valley. And there are these different camps, right? There's these people who are more of a traditionalist camp. And there's these people who are more of this sort of progressive camp. And then there's these people who are more of the pragmatists, like the business people. And they're like, you know, why are these progressives and traditionalists fighting? If we weren't fighting so much, we could get our economy moving again. We could, if we could just find common ground politically and Societally, we the, the the whole country, everyone would win, right? This is sort of the pragmatist that, that we all know. And whatever camp those people are in, I, I believe that, that those that those groups have found their tribe. Those people have found their tribe. They've hit the easy button. They're like, I got it. I got the narrative. But if we are up above, then we don't have to try to find or facilitate common ground between all of them. We can actually look for higher ground. What's higher ground look like? And what higher ground would look like for me is to find the healthy expressions of these different camps. And, and this is an and, to identify the pathologies, the unhealthy expressions, and actually limit those unhealthy expressions while celebrating the healthy expressions. And here's my back of the envelope, simple way of describing why we're, why we're experiencing so much conflict in the world and so much fracturing is that one camp looks at the other camp or camps and the only thing they can see is the pathology is the negative is the shadow. Right. they can't see the positive 
So because they only are looking for the negative, they find what they're looking for. And then that same camp that they're seeing all the negative stuff, that camp is looking at the other camp and only seeing the downsides, the negatives. And the reality is every camp has its healthy and unhealthy expressions, its light and its darkness. And unfortunately, what we see in America today is we see these camps believing righteously that their view, remember, meaning we don't see the world as it is, we see the world as we are. They believe that their way of seeing the world is, quote, the right way. Right. They're not able to recognize the healthy expressions of the others. And I, and I believe that that's what the world, our world needs and our country needs to create a place of integration of all the healthy expressions and to use that to heal and to use that to drive forward. And I'm, by the way, I'm not a, 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 a um, you know, oh, idealistic, let's go hug trees. I'm, I'm talking about bringing fierceness to this integration. And I'm talking about meeting people where they need to be met to be, uh, to be moved and to bring a respectful, um, practical, and, and at times collaborative um, sensibility. And you and I worked on these different leadership styles. Right. And, you know, how, do we, how do we lead into the hearing of the audience? If we're communicating, how do we speak into the hearing of the audience? And you've, um, you, you've heard me say this um, very unpopular statement. The golden rule is a very sweet and quaint rule and it is not a very complex rule. Treat others the way I would want to be treated. Right. I treat others the way I would want to be treated. As long as everybody is making sense of the world the way I'm making sense of the world, I'm from a camp, and everybody on planet Earth is actually from that same camp, the golden rule, go for it. But the platinum rule is the more elevated, more complex rule, is to actually treat others the way they want to be treated. We've got, to, we've got to get out of our own arrogance and our own projection, and our leaders need to have this nuance. And nuance is not popular today. The easy button, no nuance of the easy button. The easy right. button is just, is just black Damn. and white. It's, and it's binary, right and wrong. So right. anyway, as, uh, as, we get, as we get into kind of societal, I know our time's going to be winding down. Yeah. No, no, this is so we're going to, we could be here for like two hours. So, um, but I want to, I want to pose a question for you because while you were saying all this, my, you know, my argument in my book is that the core value, core values have the opportunity to become the language of, of our businesses and of our lives. And so, and there's a lot of rhetoric that can be, if, if your values become your language, they become the rhetoric by which we choose. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and we've had some conversations around what are the, the highest level values versus these sub level values and 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 i i believe that if you look at these different tribes these different mindsets and these polarizations that are happening and we can blame why they're there from a rhetorical standpoint from the media feeding into it and people choosing sides and doubling down on the media and be doubling down on the rhetoric and that just fractures it more and more right so that's driving it apart amplifying it's already there yep yeah yeah it just makes bad situation worse and we'll probably see a lot of that bullshit tonight um, but if we go the other way and say, when I talk to most people, if you take, if you strip away some of the policy, which is again, a tool for fragmenting people and you look at what people really want, there's a hell of a lot more commonality than there is difference. People I think really want a lot of the same things from a values perspective, how they get there is, is, you know, the how is a big part of the issue, but at people's core, like we all kind of want a lot of the same things. Sure. 
right? Mm -hmm. And so is there an opportunity? And, and I've been and I've been making this as a provocative statement I've been making is that we have gotten away from living core value driven lives as a whole. And to your point, and maybe this is the shadow of it in that we, oh, what we're calling a value is really a position. And, and then that position becomes our camp. And then we can, you know, point the finger at the other guy and say, you don't have the good values. Right. And I, I say, does leadership have an opportunity to say, listen, we all want the same thing and we need to put our differences aside these are the values America was founded on. These, let's use the United States for as an example, because I think that there is a lot of clarity around the founding principles of the of, of our country. And I think people like to tweak them for their own selfish needs, but let's just say we get really clear on what the values are, and we say that is the language by which we are going to hold ourselves accountable to, and then elevate people to that. Is there an opportunity to use values in that way? Because how do you get people up to that higher ground? I, I I'm at a lot. That's the only mechanism I can see to elevate people is to find a common language and bring them there. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, I would, I think it's a wonderful question. It's a, it's a big question, a complex, complicated question. Uh, and, and, and a question that we as leaders, I think need to not try to answer, but how do we live in that question? Right? So often we want to, we want to have problems that we can solve and there are and there are those situations which should be problems to solve, and there are those situations which are tensions to be managed, right? How do we manage the tension of that question? Um, I do not believe that Americans um, any longer share um, a set of common values. I believe that the major reason that we're experiencing so much pain right now, and it's been brewing for decades, is that there are, there are now distinct values in each of the camps, okay? And, and, and the research would suggest, oversimplifying here, that there are primarily three camps. And those three camps are based on three distinct set of values. And I'll, I'll repeat them, the sort of traditionalist camp. Right. The, Aggressive camp, and the uh, and the more the, the the more appropriate way to get out this kind of pragmatic camp would be um, historically these would be called people who who are resonating with the values of modernity, right? So these are sometimes called the modernists, and the modernity values of um, of liberty and free enterprise and capitalism and the industrial age, and these are sort of this in science, right? So like. So if you talk to people in this, this who, are, who is a modernist and she's this incredible scientist and she's like, we've we've solved all these um, all these issues for humanity um, and we've learned how to build industry and we've learned how to raise people up out of poverty and capitalism has rise. You know, all boats have risen. You would have progressives saying, remember, I said the pathologies progressives saying you're you modernists are actually the reason that the environment is being destroyed. You're the reason that we have all of these problems. You're the reason that we have health problems. You're because of all the foods that you've made and the and the waste that you've put out in chemicals. And, and so the, the progressive camp is actually um, has a real righteousness to say, like, look at all the shadow of modernity. Right. And the, the progressive camp is going to say, you know, the more traditionalists, you know, you people who are into like the like the, the military and like 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 the and, and like wars and what they're seeing is they're seeing the downside. And so I don't want to 
suggest that I um, that I can't appreciate these critiques at a values level from the progressives to more traditionalists and to more um, of the modernists. But then I also appreciate how the modernists and the traditionalists would look at the progressives and actually see their shadow, right? So I, what I love about your question is I'm going to overlay your question and say, playing with this metaphor, we're up, everyone who's listening right now, we're up on the mountain and we're looking at the music festival and there's three camps and they're fighting with each other because they actually have values conflict. Right. Curious, I don't think that you would be able to enroll um, the, the entire progressive camp in that um, in believing that the principles and the values the United States of America was founded on are values that they should um, support and adopt. Okay. I believe they would actually say these values of the founders are actually the problem. The, the, the reason that we have inequality in America today, the reason that so many people are oppressed is because of the principles of America. And so what we need to do is we need to burn down, like literally burn the American flag, and we need to and we need to dismantle the values this country was built on because this is the problem. Now, if you were to talk to a group of traditionalists, th- those are fighting words. Total and, fighting words. And I was with a group of progressives who were having this dinner conversation about the a country. And then I was with down in San Antonio with a group out on a hunting uh, and on a hunting, uh, you know, uh, ranch, we were doing a retreat. We weren't hunting, but it was a hunting ranch. And they were saying, um, you know what? And they were, it was very sad to me. They were saying, we need to get ready for war. They were kind of politically you know, getting amped up. And I'm sitting there with a, with a, with a retired colonel from the military, from the air force, who's got multiple family members who are police officers. And, and I'm listening with a deep care and deep concern and appreciation for what he has done to, to commit to helping protect our country for, for his entire adult life and what his family members do to bring a sense of law and order at a local level through being police. And yet, when I talk to my progressive friends, they don't know any people in the military. No. They don't know any people who are police officers. And, and, and there's, this, there's this attack of each other. And only seeing the negative. And I, and I love that you've brought values in because values are, as you know, as an expert on this now, values are about our beliefs. And if you are, if you've pressed the easy button and you're in a camp, that means that you've identified with a belief system that is in that camp. Patriotism is a belief system. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, multiculturalism for progressives is a belief system. You know, science and pragmatism is a belief system of the modernity. So there's all these belief systems. And if I'm identified with those belief systems, now get this, and the belief systems attacked, I am attacked. Right. You attack my belief system. You attacked my country. You attacked my position on the environment. You attack my belief in science. Okay. You're, you're attacking me. And this is spiritual, right? Because when we are, um, when we're able to get to a place which I am pursuing, I'm not here, but my spiritual teachers have um, have given me a, a sense of what's even higher up on the mountain than I've gotten to, and what they describe is the capacity to no longer be identified in a unhealthy way, in a fused way, with any belief system. Yeah. 
you're no longer identified with a belief system. And this doesn't mean that you still don't have the relationship with the belief system or the value system, but you're not identified with it as you. Then when that belief system is attacked, there's nothing to defend, right? Because I'm not attacked. So I don't have to defend if I'm not feeling attacked. But if I'm feeling attacked, let's go. And welcome to, you know, our modern, um, our modern war. And unfortunately, you've said it with what's going on with media and uh, echo chambers and social media and, and, and really psychological warfare using um, using technology that Americans are are puppets in. We we are just getting more and more amped up because the financial incentives. Uh, I, I think we all know this. The financial incentives are to are to get us into defensive positions for advertising and for the way the revenue model works. So it's a it's an absolute hot mess, my friend. That's the, uh, yeah, that's the answer. You can you can throw some f bombs in and uh, and talk about what you think it is, but it's a, it's an absolute hot mess. And we've got to we've got to we've got to get more leaders hitting the personal responsibility and taking the road less traveled and getting up to that mountain and figuring out how to integrate. And if it takes us twenty or thirty years to figure this out, so be it. it yeah. takes twenty or thirty years to figure this out. And if my children can live in a world that is uh, more integrated and more elevated in their lifetime, but not in my lifetime. And I can play some small role in advancing that, that'd be success. So I'm not, I'm not expecting anything to happen in months or years. I, you know, you just kind of like, every time I do my show, I get a a moment where my brain explodes and I realized, (laughs) yeah, I just realized that my expectation was you could fix this in, in a shorter period of time. And I realized you're probably right. This didn't happen in a short period of time. This happened over decades. And maybe this is, maybe we're scraping the bottom right now. Hopefully we're scraping the bottom. And, and from here we can, you know, not go that much farther down before we start going up and start fixing this problem. Because to your point, I think I had a friend, uh, one of my formates said this, he said, when Trump got elected and I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of Trump because I, and I, I really see him more as a symptom than of, you know, he's a symptom of a bigger issue. For sure. Uh, in, in the country. He's a, he is a response to a systemic dynamic. And, um, and it's, uh, and, 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 and the guys like him are showing up all over the planet right now. These right. And these, these, these sort of, um, you know, let's 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 pull back to nationalistic pride. I mean, it, it, this is a pattern that is showing up across the world in multiple human beings. And so, right. anyone who wants to make this about Trump is not yeah. that they, not that I'm telling them that they have to like or dislike or if they hate him, that's fine. But don't think this is about Trump. There's a systemic dynamic of which he is a reflection of. Right, and and, and he and he's a smart guy. He knows how to feed into it, and you know, became president of the United States. So more power to him. Um, I don't. But to your point, you could pull him out, put someone else in, and if the systemic issues there, there will be someone else to fill that role sooner or later. So, um, man, we could go for hours. This is so this is so amazing uh, to talk to you. You always you always feed my brain with so much great knowledge. I really appreciate it, Rand. Um, what uh, I, you know, obviously, we have a lot of leaders that listen to this. Where where can they find you? And um, and yeah, where, where where can they find you? Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to be here with you. And thank you for your commitment to your own learning and modeling the way of, you know, getting into values and, uh, and to, to the degree that you wrote that book. And look, Darius, here's the thing. I don't think you wrote that book ultimately um, for anyone more important than you wrote it for yourself, right? 
that you did this work. This is like an exercise. This is like being in the dojo and like sparring with the with the idea of values. And if nobody bought the book, right, which is not happening, but if no one bought the book, what a success you, you have in actually doing this doing this book. And the uh, and so thank you for that, and thank you for modeling the way and uh, and, and having enough energy to put together this um, this series of um, dozens now of, uh, of conversations. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm grateful to, you know, be a part of it. Uh, for us, uh, our website is sort of our, our, our home base, which is stagen.com. So S T A G E N.com. And that, uh, and we've got a whole point of view on playing the long game there and a little bit about our philosophy. And we've got wonderful videos, most importantly of our own members who come to our conferences, our internal conferences, like a TED conference, but just for graduates of our program. And uh, and we filmed them over many years. And so there's wonderful videos of, of yeah. people who are climbing the mountain talking about that work. And so um, so I'm much more interested in people listening to our to the leaders that are doing this work than just listening to me. Yeah, yeah, I, I could, I'll be a broken record and just say it. Uh, if you're an entrepreneur, a leader, and you're you are wanting to climb the mountain and 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 could get into Stegen, I mean, that's probably half the battle. I don't know how you guys, I, I, you have to be endorsed to get in. Isn't that how it works? Yeah, I mean, you've got to be nominated to get in. And uh, and if you're not nominated, then our one of our team members can do the nomination. Uh, but there's still an application process that everyone goes through mm-hmm. and interview process and all of that that you um, that you did. So uh, so we're, we're just looking for commitment. We're looking for values fit. Um, we don't want people in our community that are not going to be aligned with the principles of our work in the world, which is, uh, business being a force for good. And so um, so we're not interested in people who just want to le- learn to lead to make more money. We want to we want people who are unapologetic free market capitalists who say, I want to stay a capitalist and I want to bring the best of philanthropy and nonprofit in an integrated way into my organization so that they never need to retire and they never need to sell their business so they can have money so they can be philanthropic. Like why not just take the best of success and significance and integrate it together. There's integration again. And, and that's who we're looking for. We're looking for people who are called to, uh, to, to lead an integrated high impact life without giving up their passion for being a capitalist. Yeah. It, it's, it's pretty life-changing. It was funny how, and I'll end on this. Um, when I, how I got introduced to it was I was at um, a gathering of Titans and I, I think it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm such a naturally curious person and, and I have, I think I just give off a certain vibe to people. And I probably got asked eight times, have you done Stegen? Yeah, Do you yeah. you're, 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 you were identified as one of us before you were one of us. So. <laughs> Finally, I asked Sapio, hey, what do you think about me doing Stegen? He's like, you're just going to have to figure it out for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but with that said, guys, uh, yeah, check out Stegen.com. Uh, if you're lucky enough to get into the program, uh, you should jump on it. It's an amazing program. I'm so, so grateful, Rand, to have you be on the show and to be a part of my life and to be a mentor. So much gratitude. Uh, guys, we got a big week ahead of us. What a what a way to kick off the week. Uh, we got a, we got a couple shows tomorrow, two tomorrow, two on Thursday. And, um, and yeah, um, please go out, uh, follow, support Stegen, check out the book, sign up for the live stream at www.com. Um, therealdarius.com and guys we'll talk to you guys later appreciate you so much Rand peace everybody you are listening to The Greatness Machine and that's a wrap for today guys The Greatness Machine is all about two things 
people who are living their passions and those who are creating greatness in the world. And we feature these messages and speakers so it can help you step into your greatness within your own life and your own business. If you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform you're tuning in from and leave us a review. We love getting reviews for the show. If the episode made you think of someone who is leveling up in their business and life, print screen it, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to learn from one another. You can also go to our website, www.thegreatnessmachine.com. That's www.thegreatnessmachine.com. And on there, you'll see special tools to help you scale your business faster, show notes for the episode to help you integrate the lessons, and you will also get links that came out during the show. So on there, look, you can also grab a copy of my book, The Core Value Equation, which is a resource for helping CEOs and business leaders establish core values from their teams that don't suck. And mind you, a lot of them suck. Get access to this and more at www.thegreatnessmachine.com. With that said, you guys, look, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We out of here. See you guys next time. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.